This episode, I learned it first with black flag, mohawks, combat boots, and torn up jeans. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, We're going to take a little bit of a detour right now. We're in the middle of a series where we're looking at our favorite record labels uh, that influenced us and that we loved over the years, but we're going to put that on pause for this special episode because Aaron recently had the chance to chat uh, with David and Chris of Stretch Armstrong. Of course, they just announced uh, with Furnace Fest, the the lineup announcement that they're back together, going to be playing Furnace Fest. Uh, So that's exciting. And we wanted to get this interview in here. And it's kind of a special one because David and Chris each share their five favorite songs from the Stretch Armstrong uh, library. They each picked five songs, so it's 10 songs in total. And what I really love about this interview is just it's, it, it provides a unique opportunity for these guys to share some stories around these songs and kind of what was going on, maybe what inspired them, that kind of stuff. So it is a very special interview. It's a ton of fun. Uh, so sit, buckle up, get something to drink or eat or whatever you need to do to spend the next little while with us. Uh, but before we get to the interview, let's talk about uh, the housekeeping stuff. Go follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. Uh, you can also find our website, growingpunkpod.com, if you want to grab a t-shirt, if you want to uh, become a monthly patron, just support us uh, on Patreon for a couple bucks a month. We've also got some blogs and reviews that pop up on there from time to time. It's really just a hub for everything. Of course, you can find the podcast wherever you're listening to podcasts, even on YouTube. If you're watching right now, I'm waving up saying hi. Uh, Wherever you're listening or watching, though, make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. Help us spread the word a little bit. But uh, without any further ado, let's get into this. It's Aaron chatting with David and Chris from Stretch Armstrong. thought that this would even be a possibility yeah well it wasn't until you reached out that's right <laughs> yeah COVID been, us together yes i've been waiting this whole time for you guys to email me and you didn't <laughs> i think there's a guy in canada we should guess his email address yeah i think uh, i think uh johnny smardell is how we ended up here right because he, did you interview him or beloved yeah yeah, oh. yeah we just uh, did an episode with him about beloved advent and um so yeah he mentioned stretch armstrong i was like oh man i'm totally gonna see if uh he's got some connections there because that's a band i would love to talk with oh wow he's a a great great kid man all those kids are yeah he's a man now but still like always think of him as kids to us yeah that's awesome yeah so we're not gonna kind of get into you know how the band got started and all that kind of beginner stuff um, I had joked in the email that if, if you want to learn about that, you can go dig out your old HM magazine or, or whatever <laughs> you want to find uh, <laughs> those old interviews. But yeah. Google it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, we, we're going to cover some some different type of information throughout this interview. And so I, I'm I'm hopeful and excited about that. So our focus today is going to be on 10 of your favorite Stretch Armstrong songs, which I think is a really cool and, and different way to connect with you guys and your albums because we kind of get to focus on what you loved about each album versus you know the album as a whole, which you know sometimes bands might be like, oh, I didn't really like that album and so I don't really want to talk about that or, or whatever, right? This way it's the kind of the balls in your court. You got to pick the songs that we're going to discuss. 
And uh, even though I didn't like any of them, that's okay. I'll still listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to pick out 10 of the uh, best of the worst, you know? It's, yeah. it's <laughs> Maybe I should uh, give uh, a disclaimer that there may be some sarcasm and jokes throughout here. So people don't. Uh... So before I hit record, we were BSing and whatever, just hassling each other here. So it's going to be lighthearted. So don't uh, be leaving comments about me being a jerk to the guys or something. <laughs> Yeah, so as we as we touch on each song, I'll kind of just share a, a few thoughts of my own, and and then kind of whoever picked the song can can expand a bit on that. But yeah, let's kind of get right into it. And how did you guys end up signing to Solid State? You know, well, we were trying to get anyone to sign us because we had done everything on our own for so long. And that first album we put out was um, Sean Mutaki at Uprising. We put it out, yeah, and then you know, we just were looking for something else, anybody that would pick it up or, you know, pay for it. So we didn't have to. And I mean, victory, we talked to them, you know, they offered us something. Well, and, and the connection, the, the first connection was, was via strong arm. Uh, right. With, you um, remember? Because yeah. with, with, with South South State, State, yeah, yeah, yeah cause right. they were, well, I guess they were too on the nail band. Yeah. And but, South State was going to be like a harder label. Yeah. With hardcore bands, so that's and I, yeah. I think they shared some of our music with them and mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, these are some of our friends." Because we had befriended, or us and Strongarm had become friends, mm-hmm. and they they shared our music with them. Yeah. So I guess that was like the first connection. That, yeah, right? first connection. And then we had sent stuff to Victory. I mean, you guys had sent stuff to Fat Records way back when, yeah, beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Um, just trying to find anybody that would pick it up. And uh, Victory came back, and Solid State came back. And that was just on the verge of all that stuff happening with Victory. There was like Hatebreed and Thursday mm-hmm. and, you know, a host of bands that Victory was kind of the big hardcore label, but we had heard some things like, ah, be careful, you know, whatever, just a lot of things going on. So we ended up with what we thought was the best deal with Solid yeah. State. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think we were excited about, um, we definitely, like I said, we love the dudes in strong arm. We like the idea of a kind of a positive label, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. we, we could kind of get behind that. And, and as long as they were cool to get behind us, we were, we were yeah. happy. They pay for everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and at that point, was the band like hopeful to like just hit the ground running or was it more just to get your music out or what were you hoping for at that point? Yeah. I mean, we had already been like hitting the ground running, right? I mean, we had already been, doing a lot of stuff, doing it on our own, printing t-shirts, recording stuff, EPs, comps, whatever we could get on. But yeah, I mean, obviously we saw that as something bigger. They had distribution, like there is in, in our mind back then, it was like their stuff is everywhere. It's like starting to happen with this label. People are interested in it. So we were like, yeah, and they want to partner with us and give yeah. us a little bit of money to pay for stuff. And But even at that time, I mean, there were no there were no thoughts of like having that be our jobs. Cause we all had jobs, you know, like yeah. careers and stuff. So this was like a, something we did, it was fun, but we definitely wanted to be as big as it could be. Sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We yeah. were weekenders for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, how I first got into stretch Armstrong is like, I was a, a tooth and nail kid. Me and my friends, like anything punk, you know, tooth and nail, we were from a small town, so we didn't really have access to a lot. And uh, so one of my friends had had got Rituals of Life, probably just oh, thinking God. it was um, another punk album, even though it was, I think, Solid State at the time. It, it probably didn't even have a Tooth and Nail logo on it. But no, you know, it he, didn't. 
So he probably just bought a thing that was a punk album, and it was just way too heavy for him. So he ended up selling it to me or trading it or something. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. Like, you know, at, at this point, I was just discovering music by kind of whatever I could get my hands on. Didn't have the internet, you know, small town, no like CD store or whatever. And, and so, yeah. yeah, a lot of that, us too, small town, getting whatever yeah. we could for sure. Did he ever ask for it back later? No, thankfully, because I wouldn't have given <laughs> it back. And I think I still have it. So that's uh, been a uh, prized possession. But yeah, it was I, kind of. Funny Sorry, how it just fell fell into my lap like that. I got the uh, Slayer Seasons in the Abyss when I was a kid, and it was too scary for me. I gave it away, but I got it back. I grew into it. Uh, <laughs> went and chased the guy down and made him give it back I, to you. I can handle this evil now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, one, one more quick story about this album. Uh, so I was in grade 10. And one of the assignments, we were reading a book, I can't remember what it was, but we were supposed to pick a song that kind of correlated with the theme of the book. And, you know, everyone just kind of picked, you know, whatever popular song was on the radio and somehow made it fit. And there were all these terrible songs. But me, I decided to go When when Sorrow Falls. And uh, so you can imagine uh, back in, uh, I guess, yeah, 1999 when this came out, uh, a bunch of 10th graders hearing uh, hardcore for the first time in my English class. And I mean, I was so stoked. I was like, man, this, like, I'm so cool because I get to play this kind of music, you know, in the school. And, and, uh, I mean, people looked at me so weird. There was this, uh, this Russian kid there that went and asked my brother if I was suicidal because of the music I was playing. And, and, uh, just like, dude, you, you saw the lyrics. I had the lyrics up for the whole class to see. I, I don't know what you got out of that song, but. It had nothing to do with suicide, but <laughs> it was probably cool for like the first ten seconds with the acoustic, and then and then it all hits the fan, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I I could still like remember standing up at the front of the class, and it's like, okay, that part's going, and then you know when it comes in full full force, everyone's just kind of in shock for those two minutes, and it, <laughs> it was it was uh, the most anarchy I ever got in high school. We are we are happy to be a part of that. Thank you. <laughs> So we're going to uh, dive into this album a little bit. Um, so there's only you know one song from this album that you guys picked, but um, so we're going to start with the song for now.
song is pretty much dead in the center of the album, and it's actually a really cool song to kind of break up the album. It starts with this really cool, like, haunting piano part. The song then picks up, and once the vocals come in, the song just rips straight ahead, and I love that contrast about this song. There's some really cool transitions in this song as well. After the first verse, the song kind of comes to a break with the drums, and the guitars do these kind of accent hits, and the song has this really cool feel to it. So it kind of changes from you know, a, a major sounding guitar structure to, or sorry, the minor to the major. And then it goes into this epic sounding bridge of sorts. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of how this song kind of came together. Um, you know, it almost seems like it's a bunch of parts kind of sewn together, but in a way that creates this really cool dynamic song. Yeah, you know, that is like, it's funny that you say that because to me, that song is like the typical, like, stretch armstrong formula of that era it's like chris would have a riff you know he'd share it with me or i'd have a riff i'd share it with him scott have a riff and we would just have like five six eight riffs and like well this will go there and then so the songwriting wasn't so much like verse chorus you know bridge chorus whatever it was like all right you got a dope riff i got a dope riff he's got a dope scott's got a dope riff how do we weave them together? So the writing was like, okay, let's get together and write the the like the interstitials or whatever. So that's really like how we practice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like always a. I think you said it sewn together. It was always like these cool little pieces, and we'd place them in, and that would sound good. And then we'd add this again, do that part twice. But that's yeah. exactly how that song. It's, it's funny though. Like I think with that song particularly there were always elements that we we kind of always wanted to hit. Like for me, I always wanted to have some kind of New York hardcore, you know, always wanted that. We always had to have the fast part because we liked it. Mm. We always wanted a breakdown and we always tried to put in melody. Mm. And so to put all that in one song, when you really didn't know what you were doing, that's kind of the way it came out. Well, I mean, it, it came out awesome. You know, it doesn't, I don't say that in like a negative way, kind of sewn together. Like you were able to do it in a way that, you know, it's engaging because it kind of catches you off guard. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, like, it's like, now it sounds melodic and kind of poppy, but now there is a breakdown, but it's, it, it doesn't come across as choppy. So that was always something that really stood out to me about you guys. Well, and then he had the piano part, which we always just, we said, we got to weave that in there somehow too, which you know, just it it worked great getting up to that part and trying to figure it out a hardcore band with piano like that was weird at first, but it just it worked so effortlessly there. Um, and that was that would like that idea. Chris and I and Scott were our big Verbal Assault fans. I don't know if you know that band, but all a hardcore band from what, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And one of their songs, Scared, off the trial album, started with piano. And, like, we were always loving that. And we had this, like, how do we do this? How do we do that? And the recording of that, because we recorded that record, Rituals of Life, in, um, what, Little Rock? With Barry Pointer, was that? Barry Pointer's, yeah. And it was crazy because that piano part, I, I wrote it and played it only, like, on my mom's piano. It's not like we practiced that. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> our storage shit. So like the first time I ever played it was in the studio and it was wild because like, you know, we had recorded the drums and the guitars and bass and all that. And then he had a studio behind his house and then he ran the chords through the window, through the yard, into his house where the yes. piano was. And so I'm sitting there at the piano listening to the and 
playing along, but it was really cool. Yeah, it was, it was fun. But you, if you listen carefully, you can hear the um, the pedal creep. Oh yeah, sustain pedal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's cool. You were able to put that element there because that's those are the things that make it stand out, right? It's just because when that song starts, like especially when the guitar comes in, going kind of over top of it, like it just creates this really cool energy to it. And I don't know, I, I love that song. Thank yeah, I, I don't know who picked that one, but it, yeah, it's like a standout song for sure. Yeah, kids uh, seem to always like it too. There's good singing, you know, perfect place to sing along at you know towards the end of the song, and I don't know. If, we always got a good reaction with that. Song. And it's fun to play live. We, towards the end of our playing, you know, we, we learned how to get that like recorded to a sampler. And so we'd play to that piano live and that was a lot of fun. Always oh, right on. Uh, I, I dug doing that. It's cool. Yeah. So that's the only song from Rituals of Life. Uh, I don't, I mean, I guess. I think there are more, you know. It's just I, hard to narrow it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, that's for sure. I love When Sorrow Falls. I loved, um, I thought you picked When Words Escape. Did you not? That was on that's off the other record. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Right. Uh, yeah, no, but I love Sorrow. I love, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of great songs in there. I think For Now is just a standout. Yeah, it really is. Probably. Yeah. Um, so what else Like, what else can you share about kind of the this album cycle? You know, like, were you guys touring full time? You know, what was the kind of environment of the band, you know, during this cycle? It, I mean, you know, we were all, David and I were teaching high school at the time the other guys were all working uh so we did this over christmas break because we were on break yeah right? yeah we drove to arkansas we knocked it out he had actually my wife was with us he and my wife drove back just you know it was always like weekend warrior type stuff hey we got two weeks let's go record a full length with barry pointer that's where all the other solid state bands went. So we just kind of assumed we needed to go there. Yeah. He was kind of the guy at the time that was doing stuff that we were doing. Uh, we tried to go to Steve Evitz in New Jersey because he had done like Saves the Day yeah. and Snap Tapes yeah. yeah. time and all that. And that didn't work out. So, you know, Barry Porner was highly recommended. And I think at the yeah. time his stuff sounded good. That was 1998, 99. But at that time, like Chris says, I mean, we weren't a full-time band at all. We were mm. doing a lot. Mm. I mean, to set the stage, I mean, seriously, like on a, on a, on a typical weekend, we would get out of school like at, on Friday. You know, maybe we'd load the van up, what, the night before mm. or something. Mm-hmm. We'd do the rounds. We'd get picked up. We'd have three shows booked that weekend. And we might go as far as New York City. We might go as far Kansas, as Syracuse, yeah. Kansas. And I mean, and we'd be back in the classroom Monday morning. So it was, wow. it, we did that all the time at that stage. We would fly to California and yeah. do three shows yeah. or fly to Mexico yeah. or fly to Puerto Rico. I mean, we're just, yeah. People thought we were a full-time band before we were a full-time band. But it was great. I mean, what those years were like heaps of shows with Strong Arm, going up to Connecticut, playing with Hate Breed mm-hmm. or like, I mean, Norma Jean, Comeback Kid, Beloved. And that was like the same days as like the H2O, Snapcase, yep. Saves the Day, mm-hmm. Shoot, Alive, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. People thought we were a full-time band just because we were quite busy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And how did that busyness come about? Because I've, I've heard from a lot of bands on Tooth & Nail or Salt at the time, like you guys that weren't touring full-time, and they were really struggling like you know, to get decent tours or shows because they weren't, you know, on the road full time. So how did you guys get such cool opportunities? You know, just, we just knew, I, I don't know, man, like hardcore scene is, 
it's small, right? You trade shows out, you mm-hmm. go to shows like early on a band, like sick of it all would, would bring us up for a couple shows and then, you know, ask us to go out on the road. Well, we can't do the whole thing, but we can do these shows. And then uh, we were friends with the H2O guys. And it was like, just before saves a day had really blown up. It was yeah. like H2O saves yeah. a day and somebody in us. And we do a run of those shows. And then, we do. We drive to Richmond and, and do a show with Snapcase, and yeah, it just we were we just we were working regionally. Like we would play anywhere for anyone at any place, and nine times out of ten, we weren't playing clubs. I mean, we couldn't get into a club back yeah. then. I mean, no, yeah. you know, no real club w- was booked. Occasionally, we would, but like. You know, it was VFW, fire halls, record stores, basements. Well, and we were lucky, too. I mean, like, um, Scott, our, the guitar player, he, w- he would book shows way back in the day. And then we had a proper club in, in our town mm-hmm. in, in Columbia, South Carolina. There was a proper club. I mean, bands, you know, in high school, I'd go see Agnostic Front, Madball. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody came through. Yeah. And if we... We could jump on those shows, you mm-hmm. know, because we were a local band. And then it was just kind of like, okay, well, maybe we meet these guys. And then, like Chris says, we swap shows. And and then, you know, inevitably a, a band from Florida, a band from North Carolina, you just swap shows and, and that kind of hardcore punk rock community and, you know, booking your own shows and doing your own shows. And that's just, I mean, doing it over and over and over and over and over is just how it kind of started. Yeah, well, that's awesome. You were able to make it work like that, you know, because that's like, like I said, that it didn't happen for every band, so that's that's no. really rad. And I think it was also because we had real jobs with steady income, yeah. we could go do these things. It didn't make a lot of sense financially because at the end of it, it was just a great weekend doing something we loved, yeah. and then we had a job to go back to. Yeah, and then down down the line, that um, formula would change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's get to some of that. So your we next, that. We yeah. That, yeah. yeah, your well, next yeah. album, uh, a revolution transmission, came out two years later in two thousand one. Uh, how did you guys kind of see the band growing after this release? You know, kind of what happened? Like, were, was it still just part time um, with this one? Anything changed? Kind of from rituals to this one? Yeah, I mean, seems like we were getting busier though. We were getting busier, but we even had gone to Europe before the drop of that record. 1999 2000 yeah yeah so i think we i think we definitely had some recognition and some people were paying a bit of attention with rituals um and so to come out with revolution transmission after that was good i mean Mm -hmm. there were people ready to listen for it and to it and i think it was a decent follow-up um but i think we were definitely noticing yeah like some interest like some of the bigger bands would would want us to play with them because like we we would draw on our own we would obviously help bring people into the show um we had created a following i i think at the time we were known for like a good live show a lot of energy um and so some of the bigger bands that were headlining we were starting to get offers for stuff you know hey we're going to be in your region Okay, well, if you're going to play the Carolinas, you got to add us on Virginia. If you're going to play the Carolinas, you got to add us to Georgia and Florida. We can do that in the long weekend. And so I think it just kind of went from there. You know, like we we had done the work, um, as a lot of bands had. You know, we worked hard. We um, uh, we were a good live band, right? We, you know, 
we weren't the best musicians. I mean, David and John were great musicians. The rest of us just had a lot of energy and, and tried really hard, right? Um, but it was something people wanted to see and they connected with that. And um, I mean, that worked in our favor. Right? But you know, even that record, like we were still teaching. Mm -hmm. So that record, Revolution Transmission, we recorded at a local studio in Columbia. And it was like, you'd work a full day of work and then you'd go to the studio all night. Wow. <laughs> all night. I mean, so we're, we're, you know, banging out this record and we recorded that if, if it matters to anybody to tape. So that was, that was recorded on two inch tape. So, you know, that definitely comes with its challenges. Yeah. Um, you just can't edit everything. Yeah, you yeah. actually got to be playing it right, <laughs> singing it right, which I mean, people, you know, people record to a computer now all the time, but that was a big deal. Yeah. Recording the oh tape. yeah. Totally. And, and so it literally, so it'd be a, a full day of work and then a full night in the studio back to back to a full day of work. So, I mean, that was the life at that stage, but like Chris says, we were stoked, man. We were so happy to do that and yeah. to, you know, to just be a part of it and have that opportunity. It was, it was, a for me, that was a really kind of a golden era of the band. I definitely had a good time at that stage. Yeah. Yeah, well, as a listener, this this was definitely an awesome follow-up. I, I remember being super stoked on this one. So let's get into the, some of the songs from this album. So we're going to start it right off with, for the record... is i'm guessing your arguably biggest song it's your most listened to one on spotify right after i uh, get this party started but yeah this is just you know such a, a classic hit song kind of as far as melodic hardcore goes you know the song is pretty straightforward lyrically you know as far as what the song is about but why did you want to write this song kind of how did it come together and how did this song you know change or impact the band here you go. Well, both of you guys picked this one, so 
Yeah. I, well, the thing that sticks out to me was um, Chris and I were actually, we took a trip up to um, uh, Silver Springs, Maryland because Brothers Keeper, the band Brothers Keeper was recording a record there and um, had asked us to do some lyrics or some vocals on their record. And so we did, we stayed the night and we drove right back and it was in the car ride home <laughs> that we wrote a lot of the lyrics to that song. Yeah, I think I had like a, a, a riff, that's back when I would write a few pieces or whatever and had the basic structure of the song and I had an idea. It was just like an homage to all these older bands singing a it was like us going to shows seeing these older bands uh when when we were younger and just just that feeling you had yeah, like you'd go, like we would get there early like yeah. we might see them going to use a payphone we might see them like going to do their laundry there was a subway by the club so like you'd see them go eat just to say hey man what up we're you know we just were stoked to be there yeah and it was cool because we would notice that kids were kind of doing that to us now when we would go places like it was just, it was a cool thing. Yeah. And we wanted to recognize what we had felt like when we were their age uh, and, and what they were getting early to the shows to see. I don't know, man. It just. Yeah. And I'm, I'm su- like, I, I really appreciate that song now because it was like a, I was going to say on the record, it's on the record as a kind of a expression of gratitude, like Chris sure, says, yeah, yeah, to sure. all of those bands. I mean, we were talking about, I don't know if we were recording at that stage, but like where we're from, it's a, you know, we live in the South of the United States. It is, I mean, I can speak for me, you know, socially, politically, culturally, I, I don't quite, um, you know, I never quite felt like this was a place that, that, I belonged, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and for so, sure. And I mean, literally, there was no internet. There was no nothing. I mean, we had a local college radio station, which was really cool. And that's where I first heard, you know, some hardcore. Um, but it was those shows in that community of people getting together, like he says, early just to hang out, to meet these bands. I mean, it opened up uh, an entire world of ways of thinking of, of, of experience. I mean, soon after, you know, we're traveling the world. So it really did change mm. my life completely. And it was just oh, a yeah. shout out and just an expression of gratitude. I mean, to, to thank you guys for doing that. And then it was cool to kind of have the opportunity to possibly contribute a similar uh, piece of music for other people. Yeah. yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think the message through the whole thing is, I mean, I think we say thank you, obviously, a couple of times through there, but it truly is just gratitude. Yeah. You know, yeah. the way that made us feel, the way it changed our lives, our perspective, yeah. the way you look at the world, the way you look at people. Um, and it is very simple, very straightforward. And maybe that's why it resonates with so many people. Yeah. Yeah, when you were writing this and putting it together, like, was it just, you know, to you guys, just another song kind of in the batch? Or did you have an inclination that, you know, this might be a song that it sticks with people? And- it felt intentional. Like, we yeah. want to write, kind of like we want to do, we want to maybe contribute to this feeling of pile on stage time. Yeah. Have, have fun, you know. We were hoping it would do that, you know. Yeah. But I think for sure it didn't feel like just another song. It, it, it kind of felt like a banger or like it just just the parts right it just was yeah. working in that part where we're just singing it i yeah. wanted to do something like 
you know, just that group gang vocals and then go yeah. back into the song. Just it worked, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's still one that, that many, I was just, I texted a, a buddy just before this telling him that I was talking with you guys and he said, tell them that for the record is still a banger. And he's oh, a guy wow. that's not even really into heavy music anymore, but you know, yeah. it still resonates with people. That's cool, man. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, yeah. Let's move on to worst case scenario. Maybe in classic stretch formula, the song starts with a more melodic guitar line, then it goes fast in your face for the verse. Is there something that draws you into this type of songwriting, or is that just kind of how the songs come together? I mean, you, you said before, you know, there's kind of pieces that just well, kind of come, but... You know, it's funny, man. Again, I think this is kind of that classic Stretch Armstrong, like, happening. I don't know that it's structure, but it's like... I can't remember who wrote what or whatever, but I felt like, I feel like, I feel like I wrote that first note, like, let's start this song this way. And then, you know, immediately Scott came in with this melodic second guitar part. And that goes way back. Like he and I, I mean, we, 
we pl- we'd been playing together since like 92 at that stage, you know, so it had already been a long time and we were heavily influenced by like no effects and bands like RKL and obviously the hardcore bands, but we always were like, if we're going to have two guitars, they should always be doing something different yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or at least, you know, doing something interesting. And sure. so that was, we, I mean, it's funny to think about it, but we really did always kind of go back to that formula. Like, look, if you're doing this, then I'll just go ahead and do that. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of how that started. Yeah. And how about vocally? I mean, that, another thing that your band was really strong at was, was the singing and screaming incorporating the two, but not in a way that was like scream for the verse, have a poppy chorus, you know, it wasn't always that formula. How kind of conscious were you in putting songs together about how the vocals would come about? Well, I mean, for one thing, I couldn't really sing. So it was like we were just doing this dog and pony show trying to like, okay, I know what my strengths are and I know what my weaknesses are. And my weaknesses are way up here. But for some reason, if we would do like the screaming track and then I would try to sing and stay on a note he was doing. um, and, And at the time, there weren't a lot of bands doing that. I, right. We certainly weren't the first. I don't mean that, but like yeah. we, we were trying some stuff back then that a lot of bands did after us and they did it better. And it was, they were more popular than we were, but we were on to something early and yeah. you know I could grab a note, hang on to it for a little bit. Um, and if I screamed it, then didn't have to be perfect or pitch, you know, pitch perfect or whatever. And then he could sing something or he could like show me how to sing it. Um, And then it just, it became our sound. And then we would notice other bands kind of doing what, what we were doing. Um, And, and, and obviously some bands did it, like I said, better than us, but I think it just became, I don't know, man, we kind of got good at that formula. And then, so we just, did it as much as we could. And I think for me, and I, I remember still in the studio saying stuff like, like, yeah, do it like verbal assault, do it verbal assault style or like mm-hmm. Dagnasty. I mean, those were kind of the, the, the melodic vocal kinds of things we were trying to emulate, like verbal assault, Dagnasty, those kinds of things. And, you know, those guys could really sing, but they also added this like kind of distorted, just broken apart throat in there too. And so that's, I mean, that's where I was coming from, for sure. Yeah. Like, just trying to do that. I mean, it was never like, oh, I can really sing. It's just like, let's sort of get a note, but just yell it. <laughs> yeah. And then, again, you know, a lot of it came from my inability to, you know, I certainly wasn't a singer. I got this doing this because, you know, I had some energy. I had a few <laughs> ideas and let's do a band, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it definitely adds a good dynamic, and I mean, I I wouldn't have picked up that you know it wasn't meant to be you know a good singer or something, but you know it, I, it fit it fit the music really well. Absolutely, I, I'll tell you a standout a standout moment for this song. Um, we were still writing it; we hadn't recorded. We were still kind of writing, and we would get together in like a, a storage shed. Uh, in a town right near us and you know cram all the gear in there it was loud it was terrible hot in the summer cold in the winter and um we were practicing i think what was like wednesday nights mm-hmm. and we'd get together and practice and uh 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 was it b it was bd right from uh Hayford? from Hayford was he was coming through town 
Oh, and yeah. it was he he was coming through town and was going to meet up with the rest of Hate Breed to, mm-hmm. to go on tour, mm-hmm. but he needed to crash somewhere in South Carolina. So, you know, we were, we were buds, all of us. So he stayed with us and I was like, well, it's cool, but we got practice tonight. So he came out I and, and yeah, so when we went into the breakdown, we're playing it. I looked out and he was kind of dancing and I was like, listen, if he's dancing to this, that's a good, like, that's a good <laughs> breakdown. If he's not his head at our practice, we might have a good track here. Yeah. So yeah, so BD was in town and uh, that was, that was a highlight for sure. Well, I was, yeah. was going to say this song has one of the coolest and nastiest breakdowns on the album. And uh, so that, yeah. And, and then after it goes into a melodic part, which again, I, I love how you were able to combine those two elements. Oh, cool, man. Thank Shout you. Chris Beatty. Yeah. 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 So how come on the album you didn't put featuring Chris Beatty dancing in the background? We should have. He didn't actually contribute to the song. He was just dancing while we were playing he it. He was inspirational. <laughs> and inspirational. Uh, he was there with us in spirit like for sure. Seal of certified. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a feature guest on an album or not, but... Uh... <laughs> when we remaster it, he's on yeah. it. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right on. So moving to When Words Escape... Thinking about the path we've been on I know we've learned a lot of things Searching through the pages of our history See what my memory Tell you why your emotions are 
song has a much more kind of punk rock feel to the start of the song. While the song stays melodic, it still has an urgency to it, especially during the verses. So you kind of mentioned, you know, you were you know influenced by some punk bands and stuff as well. And so what? Uh, so this was Chris that picked this one. Why does this song stand out to you? Um, because I think we finally started to get what we had wanted to what we had wanted to do with some of the singing, some of the melody, but still going really, really fast. Um, and then we lifted a riff from a <laughs> our hardcore band that we really, really like, a band called Archaeo. I mean, we just flat out ripped off a riff. Um, that's in a great song. But also with the song, I think lyrically, um, we had, you know, we were tackling, we were tackling um, uh, people that had started to come out um, as being gay in this scene um, that then wasn't such a popular thing to do. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm sure the internet was around, but there was no Instagram and things. So it was, um, you know, we, and we wrote it specifically about someone that was shrouded in secrecy because of their job. And um, they could not tell people what they really were Mm. uh, for fear of, you know, all the fears that someone would have coming out, you know, to uh, a public that might not be so, open and accepting of it. And it's obviously that's changed now. I think the culture's different and people's acceptance are different. But I think in that song, musically, we were doing a lot of things that I still think are pretty cool. Well, and, and we didn't just rip off RKL. We also ripped off uh, Johnny's band, Faith. Yeah, the, so yeah the the very right so the yeah, yeah. we had forever two wanted, rip-offs yeah two rip-offs <laughs> forever the da na 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 we had forever wanted to play that yeah, riff yeah. and we i mean we just straight up stole it um but it really worked yeah and just like lyrically i don't know i think i don't i think i wrote the lyrics to that song or most of it um it's just the first time we really had hit something that i felt was not just me, but we all felt was pretty um, important that at the time, again, we weren't the only ones, but in our scene, there weren't a lot of bands that were uh, saying that, you know, it was okay to be who you really are. And if you want to come out and say it, then you've got an ally in us. Right. Um, And this person, you know, was shrouded in secrecy. And I think this song and a lot of our songs, like, my relationship with them changes and evolves through the years. You know what I mean? And yeah, so definitely. And so like a revolution based on honesty and it won't matter until you see me for me. It's like being honest with yourself, being honest with others around you. There's, there's, there can just be no communication or, I mean, the, the barriers are so thick mm-hmm. when there can't be honesty. And, um, you know, that's, that just still, is really important to me and and yeah. something that I still work on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome to get that insight. You know, it just makes a song a strong song just stand out that much more when you kind of get some of the backstory to it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a song too, um, not to dwell on it, but it's a song that I I think when I showed when I selected it, I went back and I listened to it and I was like, because this album came out in two thousand one. Yeah. So it's twenty years old now. Yeah. Yeah. And we were probably knocking it around for a year before that. Yeah. Um, so just feel like we hit on something, right? There was certain times you write a song because it sounds pretty good, and you, you got to have X amount of songs on the album. Um, 
but that was a song that I still think holds up, you know? Yeah, for sure. So technical, uh, for the, for the, um, recording nerds out there, a technical note about this song, when we recorded it, we weren't happy because it was a little too fast. <laughs> and so we had to slow it down <laughs> and because we recorded it to tape, we could, but we had to slow down the tape speed, which also decreased the pitch a little bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, it, so just as a technical note, that that also is going on with that song. Yeah. So, did you have to redo that, or that's like no, the, no? But what was weird though, if I recall, we had guitars, we had drums, but we didn't have bass, and Jeremy actually had to detune his bass just a little bit to oh, be because we slowed the tape down. Wow. That's crazy. The funny thing is, is that we really thought that that difference in speed would matter. <laughs> <laughs> you probably still just played it fast live anyways. Totally. Yeah, warm speed. <laughs> we could have just left it, but that yeah. was the, an interesting technical note. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the next one we have is Means to an End.
So my anecdote for this is I played in a band called Means to an End. Uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't based off of this song, as far as I know. And uh, I mean that band we ended up we ended up changing our name to just Means. People were just calling us that for short. And there was yeah. actually another band called Means to an End. And so we just ended up going as Means. And anyways, we pursued that for a number of years after that. But so that, that's that's funny you picked this song because I've always been drawn to it just because of that. So well, Chris. Yep. Yep. I was gonna say on our set list, it would always just say means. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you go. That's cool. <laughs> just yeah. to start. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Let's say yeah, Chris. Share with us about this song. Um, just one of those songs that just like just rips from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, we just we stumbled onto it, um, and we stopped playing it for a while because we're certain parts of the country people would just start fighting to it. And we were like, why are you fighting to us? Are you not <laughs> listening to anything we're saying? But that would be a song like Florida. Yeah. Always, always a fight. Yeah. Las Vegas, always a fight. Northeast, always a fight. And we would be playing with like really, really heavy bands. Like, you know, we'd be playing with Hatebreed or Sick of It All, who we obviously love. We love the guys. We love the bands. And they would be fighting to like hmm. us from South Carolina playing means to an end. But I don't like the song for that, but I just, again, one of those songs where it's like, okay, this is working. This sounds really good. We've got, we throw in the little break, you know, we sing a little bit um, and we just go right back to it. And this was a song, John, um, which is hammer on the drums and just goes so hard. And we would all get off on it. I think we'd usually play it early because it was, if we played it too late in the set, we were usually just tired, <laughs> tired to like make it through. So you'd, you'd see it at the top, and then usually that would kind of set the the pace for the show, you know. I but still like there's, I mean, since we're talking about our music, I may as well, I guess, toot our own horn or whatever. But yeah, look, please do. There's moments in that 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 like that are just still so heavy and thick, mm-hmm. you know, um, that I'm, there's moments in that track that I'm still really, really, really proud of. Yeah. And there's also, I remember clearly it was another jam night, uh, at the shed, the harmonic part that comes in right before the, the kind of crazy melodic singing mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Chris was, Chris had to leave a little bit early that night and he was like, yo man, please put in a harmonic part because he wrote the doom 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 he wrote that and like he was getting a lot of resistance like yeah. people were gonna do it like, please put that in there i was like i got you yeah so he took off and then we did that yeah, that was nice and then but but then where do you go after that and and uh actually john our drummer was like david what about that riff we were making fun of yours from last week that might work <laughs> So yeah. that was a wow, and so that was kind of fun. Yeah, and and you know, to what he's saying there is, you know, we would bring in riffs, or you know, but like if you if you presented a riff to the other guys, it was almost like a firing squad. You had to <laughs> put on your thick skin. This is what I'm thinking. This is how it's gonna go. Yeah. You just may get just yeah ripped apart, and you really had to have a good reason. Yeah, and like the the more the more fleshed out, yeah, the better. Like. Yeah. Yeah, to just pitch a little idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it made the song and it, it was worth it. So, yeah. And, you know, starts off the album as well, yeah. um, which, uh, again, just I think it set the tone for that album. And it, it, yeah, just one of those songs that works. 
Yeah, right on. So yeah, moving to Engage from 2003. So you now have two albums, you know, multiple tours and shows under your belt. What were you hoping to accomplish with this album, you know, both sonically and growth-wise, and, and did it kind of play out how you had hoped? No. Yeah, that was a rough scene because we, at that stage, we were having aspirations of, I think we were, we were going full-time. Yeah, like we were... We were quitting our jobs we were leaving careers we were going into this thing um but this was another one of those scenes where it was like we're recording up in jersey we live in south carolina none of us were in the studio all together at the same time never i don't think so so. and so it was like just it was terrible we were taking flights back and forth Mm. you know to do this and that it's hard yeah really poorly planned um this just yeah it was yeah it wasn't a great experience um i think sonically there were some issues going yeah. on i mean we i remember we i think that these guys had written and rec- or recorded the music he and i were going back to to um uh do vocals we're flying into newark i'm throwing up cuz i'm sick on the plane oh man we land I finished throwing up. We go get Chinese food. (laughs) Just what you want after puking. Yeah, I mean, it was okay then, but it's like, so I'm just shot. And then we go get Chinese food, I remember. And then we go into the studio, and then we do like seven songs. (laughs) Oh, what a bad combo. Terrible. (laughs) And then that's what you try to launch your touring career on that. Yeah. It was bad. All because of Chinese food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely got sick before that but um yeah it, it you know there are a couple of good songs on that album um i, I do know that solid state was not stoked on that album mm, at all that's frustrating i understand why yeah and did that affect kind of, sorry i was gonna say there's some really there are some, there's, there's, there's yeah like in, in in terms of experience like being in the studio with Rob Vitale from Nine Lives, yeah, yeah. Black Train Jack, like that was amazing. A lot of guest spots on yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, those guys, that was fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, um, you know, and, and we, I don't think we delivered um, a very good record. Mm-hmm. We were trying, we were trying a lot of new stuff too. Like, you know, we talked earlier about like the song structure or lack thereof and how it was a lot of kind of, separate riffs that were stitched together at this stage we were trying to learn to write mm. you know what i mean and 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 that was you know that's obviously a hard thing to do and maybe it was poorly timed um but i will credit that whole experience for helping me learn how to write more p- kind of proper song structures you know yeah. structural songs so i mean i definitely learned a lot out of it it's just a shame that you know you don't really <laughs> you don't uh get to learn lessons outside of their consequences yeah. right so um you know we definitely lost some momentum with that record but you know it's all right so did that affect like tours and stuff as well when you mentioned momentum or just momentum in like songwriting and being excited about the band or you know i think um and it's not like we ever had one breakout album right it's, yeah we never had one album that was like uh you know catapulting us to the next phase of the career or what we were doing but as we were going to start being a full-time band that was the album we were supporting we were playing the songs 
there was a little bit of a push from solid state initially. And then, you know, once the album, there's no traction there, then they've got to move on to probably the under earth album that was so big or something that was selling records. Right. Which I makes sense. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I didn't listen to that album for a long time just mm. because it was cringy, man, you know, just mm. to go back and maybe the songs weren't so bad, but that, point in time when we were getting to that place um it was just hard man yeah yeah well not to be dramatic about it but it was just like man you know my performance on the album is not very good the way it sounds is not very good there are some good songs there are some cool ideas um but as a whole it just Mm. wasn't very good well it's hard when you're you know you've spent you know how many years working up to this point and you know it's propelling you to different things and then to feel let down by your own craft. I mean, I've been in the same spot and it's super frustrating. Well, and I think to come out of like, you know, the first album for solid state rituals and then to go to uh, um, revolution transmission, which was a well-received album for us. Um, And then to kind of like backslide into that third album I think was a bummer. You know, what's cool though. That's interesting is the two tracks are really, we would play, we bleed um, the opening track regularly.
we, I think we kind of always played that. So that, I think that's, it was a song that was better live. We did it better live than we did on the recording, but it was all kind of a ripper, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, it was super like sick of it all influenced. Um, but then also like real heavy, like New York hardcore kind of beat down, breakdown kind of thing. I mean, <laughs> it had all the elements that I loved. Yeah. <laughs> and so live, it really kind of came, came together. Yeah, well, that's cool you say that because when I was re-listening through um, all these songs today, I, I put down, I can just visualize, you know, the gang vocal pileups and sh at shows and the mosh pits with this song. Well, and you know, it's it's funny, man, with all that we, I'm not going to try to get too serious or too political, but with all that we've been through, um, particularly here in the U.S. over the last year, um, you know, the lyric, right now more than ever, we got to stand together. Uh, it's like that it still it still plays you know that message yeah. still plays and we were singing about equality on that track and i'm still i'm really proud that we did you know that was what oh three or yeah. whatever yeah. and and there's always a time and a place to do that <laughs> and you know so to, to say right now more than ever we got to stand together i'm still proud that we said that and that we can still say it you know yeah because there definitely were some bright spots on that album um but as a whole i think i think it was, I, I had a lot of problems with it, you know. Yeah. So, Chris, you picked Devil Shoots Devil. Why was this song stand out to you from this one? Because for I remember we turned the album in 
And um, we weren't, you know, on the first two, we got some real immediate response, right? Oh, this is good. This is really cool. Love what you're doing here. Um, and then with this album, it was really quiet, right? Mm. We didn't hear a whole lot. It's usually not a very good thing. Yeah. Um, but they kept coming back to Devil Shoots Devil. That was like on whatever the sampler was. They put that one on the sampler. Um, and that was another song where I think came together well on the album. It's one of the songs I still like from that mm -hmm. album. We played it for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we worked in, you know, lyrically, we were trying some different stuff. And, you know, you're talking about the seven deadly sins in the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just yeah. talking about some dark, you know, dark places uh, that you can go to. And, and just musically, um, you know, I think the song worked. Yeah. Yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, so we, we already touched on um, on We Bleed, the, the last one from this one, which was uh, a bonus one. So Black Clouds and We Bleed are two bonus picks. Um, Black Clouds, it has a really cool kind of East Coast punk, like H2O, who you said you know you played with, maybe were influenced by. And I, I mean, I love H2O, and so on this song, it's like, man, this is like stretching H2O put together, which is such a sweet combo. <laughs> Stop it. 
tell you man my favorite thing about that track and it was i mean and one of the coolest things that that's always been my favorite my favorite thing about hardcore is that we get to meet our idols right like we have heroes hardcore heroes and and you get to meet them and in this case to sing along with rob vitale from uh from nine lives slash black train jack Mm -hmm. that was a that was really really cool like i was super stoked mm-hmm. that he agreed to come into the studio mm-hmm. to sing and to to be on the other end of a microphone with him was just that was, that cool. was rad that was, cool. <laughs> that was rad yeah and just um it was different than the other songs on the album yeah um and like i it was funny i just was i texted him the other day i went back and listened to that song maybe in preparation for this um and it was like this part where like we were on to something with that part. Like that worked really well. Um, I don't know if the song as a whole yeah. did, but like there were some, yeah. there's some highlights in that song that I still like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. Yeah. So now we're getting into your last album free at last, which came out in 2005. So this came out on a new label. We put out records. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing you had a, a three deal, a three album deal with Solid State, and you were looking to to switch it up. Why don't you kind of tell us what what happened with that, and and why this label is? You know, there wasn't a whole lot of bands put out on this. I think you guys were kind of like the catalyst for it, or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing with Solid State, we ended on good terms. It just was the end of it. You know, we I think they were they were remember man i think like under oath was exploding at that time yeah um, and there were other bands you know doing you know big things over there and we just you know there was not issues but there were just we were looking to maybe for a clean break and yeah. do something else yeah and, for sure uh, we got management for the first time we'd never had a manager before which was a bit of an adjustment it seemed a little bit weird and they had struck a deal through warner brothers where Warner Brothers at the time were, you know, giving anybody money to try something. Hey, what's the next band? What's the next thing? And so they created a label, which gave us some freedom and some money mm. and some guidance, you know, and some someone helping us make decisions, which at first seemed like a good thing. You know, they were, yeah. I think they were trying to do a good sure. job, right? We just, yeah. um, and so that's kind of how that came together. And then we, we went to Florida to record that album uh because wisner had done yeah paramore yeah that growth album yeah. he had yeah. done further right. album he had done some glass eater stuff glass eater um, like yellow cart like he, friends rust maybe yeah yeah it's good stuff he had done yeah. a lot of um <clears throat> and, i mean that's how that all kind of came about yeah did you feel like you guys kind of got to redeem yourself on this one you know coming off the last one not kind of piecing I together how you'd it. hoped or i do man yeah. i'm super i'm still super proud of that record mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I, like I said, I think we learned a lot about writing songs. I think we learned a lot about recording. We learned a lot about tones and mix and, and all that stuff. And we were, you know, we had played millions of shows at that mm. point. And so we're getting, we, we're getting pretty solid. Um, and we, and I think we definitely wanted to, to take some leaps to do some different things. Um, and to, to try some different things. And I, I feel like we did, you know, I'm still super proud of that record. Were you, and so were you guys full-time at this point? 
Oh yeah. 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 yeah we've been touring for years at that point. Painfully. Yeah. 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 We've been, we've been yeah. hitting it hard. So how was the response to this album? Like what did this album bring? Like this was your last one. So I don't know if, you know, you kind of toured until you were ready to be done. Like what kind of happened from yeah, when we, this album came out until the end? I mean, like we went out with story of the year. We went out with like rise against, we went oh, out wow. with rancid. Pennywise, it all. I mean, we did, a, we did a lot on that. Cause at that point we were just kind of going for broke, right? We had management, we'd sunk all this time into it and, you know, and, it's like it was do or die, right? Yeah. I mean, is is that probably sounds cheesy to say, but like we had just been trudging along, and some of the, you know, at this point, Scott had quit. He, you know, he had to go get a, he got a good job offer that, you know, was stability and money, um, and so we were going through some member changes, um, but we had a lot of opportunities. I mean, mm-hmm. we were going to Europe three times a year. We were going to Mexico. We were going, uh, oh. we just were really busy. And we, I feel like we were touring on a record that we all felt really good about. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that's great to just be able to have that feeling of, like, yeah. you know, kind of moving past something that maybe you're not as proud of and then having that chance, you know, to kind of, you know, redo it or, or whatever. Right. And, and keep moving forward. Cause I mean, that's, that's pretty common for lots of bands, right? There's lots that have, you know, oh. an album that doesn't do as well or doesn't come together how they'd hoped. And, and that's, you know, that's how art is, right? It doesn't always turn out how you want it to. Yeah. And I'll be honest, man. I mean, there was probably not much more I could have put into that record. Like, I think it, it yeah. all was dumped out on the table. And yeah. so, and that's, that's a good feeling, you know, I mean, it's scary. It's a scary feeling to be like, okay, this is everything I've got. This is as good as I've got. Take it you know, this, this is what it is, but that's also really, it's, it's a, it's a liberating thing to do. Like, this is, this is all of it, you know, and and that's good. It's good to kind of leave on that, to, to know that, man, that was, that was it. That, that, that was what I had. I gave it my best shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, we were broke. (laughs) And so it like, I mean, cause it was like five weeks down there. Yeah. Well, it was, dude, it was, it was so preceding that, Proceeding the recording of that record, we were in Europe for five weeks. Right when we got home, about four days later, we went in the studio for five weeks. Wow. We had three or four days off. Then we went out to mix it in Arizona, home for another three days, and then immediately back out on another Trip five to week Seattle tour. Yeah, five week tour after that. So it was it was that kind of schedule, you yeah. know. Um, Clearly, our decision making and planning had <laughs> only got better as we had gone along in this. <laughs> So it was, it was like, it, it was a bit of a, like a, it, it was lean, man. I mean, like we, it was yeah. lean times. We had a little bit of money from the label, but I mean, I remember we'd go to like, there was like a Harris Teeter or something, you know, oh, yeah. and we would go get like noodles. You guys would get some beer, you know, and we would just, and we were staying in a, a, a one bedroom efficiency. Where was that? Ocala? Not Ocala. No, Where was um, it? Like Outside of St. Cloud like way down Florida. Yeah. I mean, you know, like sleeping on the floor five weeks, kind of day in, day out all day at the studio. And I mean, obviously lots of bands do this, we're not <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was definitely a, a, yeah, there's a lot of bands. It was that, not luxurious. No. Mm. Um, and then right after it, we, you know, we were gone. So we were in the studio, not making, you know, we didn't, there was just no income. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's married at this point. Jeremy's married at this point. 
I'm married. I have a daughter. And so, you know, I think um, some of that shaped the songwriting and for mm-hmm. sure shaped the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not to be dr- overly dramatic, but it was, it was just a, it was a weird time and it was a rough time because you're sinking everything into the album but we just i mean yeah i just remember being yeah. like a bit of a it's hard. it was a rough it's period it really hard. really was what why do you think that was like if you you know you had this some momentum you know you should almost well, be at your peak after four albums like was because of that right we should be we've we've put in all this groundwork we've done all this work on the road um we've worked really really hard and in spite of that, it just, it wasn't happening. Hmm. And, you know, it, it, the trajectory was, you know, we were leveling off. We weren't getting any younger. Right. Uh, we were still all friends. There was no like band drama. There was nobody, there was no fight, you know, none of that like cliche yeah. behind the music band stuff, but it just wasn't happening. Hmm. And so you do new shirts, you do new tours, you get management, you get a new label, like all the things are in place but you still got to go play those shows in little rock and Oklahoma city and these other towns that, you know, that not a lot of people go to. Um, and there's less kids coming. Some shows are really good. Some shows are really bad. Um, and so after this time Mm. and felt like it should have, you know, so then we're trying to wrestle with that too. Well, and I think if you listen to the sound of names dropping, that is what that song is.
looked at you and you smiled The feeling's gone forever It's been replaced with something new There's nothing more for us to do It's essentially, um, I wrote a lot of those lyrics and it was like, it was a message. I think you wrote all of them. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. But it was essentially like, a, it was a a message from us to our fans. Like, mm-hmm. but also it, it could really be, you know, it could be anybody talking to anybody about a relationship that they hope that they can keep. Yeah. But they're that there's some tension and some possible, uh, that it possibly might fall apart. And that's what it's about. It's like, yo, I'll give you everything I got. Just stick with me, you know, but that's, it was, it was essentially us to the, to our, our fans, mm. you know? And so, I mean, and it, so I think it, it, that sums up that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. There's some, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, and if some of the lyrics on there just to like take a deep dive were, you know, I don't mean to keep using that word dark, but I mean, it They're was darker. like, it's yeah, we, just, we, sure. we were deep within ourselves just, writing you know this visceral or whatever but um and i think you actually said it you know with the lead up to this feels like it should have been this huge just jumping off point and um it just it it wasn't you know and so there was the frustration with that and then you know if we just took one more tour then that's going to be the tour right right if the one band will ask us out. That's going to be the jumping off point. This album has some great songs on it. It yeah. really, really does. And, and David did majority of the writing. Um, but you know, man, I mean, what does it take to be a popular band, right? To sound good, a lot of luck, a lot of right place, right time. What's yeah. the women, kids, whatever. And, you know, man, that was just slipping away and it was mm. frustrating, right? It was frustrating. Why are they getting that tour? Why are they getting that song on the radio? why are they selling out this club that we can't do 50%, you know, just, and then so in your mind and your head and we weren't in, you know, an arrogant band or we didn't feel like we had these always very humble, always very grateful guys. But, you know, after a while you're, you know, seven dudes crammed into a hotel room. And when you finally mm-hmm. go to sleep, you're left with your thoughts. And it's like, <laughs> well, I've got a child, you know, people are married um and here's the seven of us in this hotel room yeah well it's so hard because you want to stay you know (laughs) you want to stay hopeful and expectant right i mean in a sense you're living out your dream and doing what you love but it's that weird balance of like why is doing what i love so draining and not getting me anywhere right it's yeah so i guess you know all good things kind of have to come to an end or or you know whatever right well yeah they do and then but the time that it takes you to get to that point where you're okay with it um, is hard, you know? And so at the end of it, cause on that album, it was just John 
um, Jeremy, David, and myself. So just the four of us. Okay. Then after this album, you know, we set out touring on this album, um, you know, and Jeremy was like, I can't keep doing this. Mm. You know, he had two kids. Um, he was in a relationship. It was just, you know, it was tough. So then David, John and I are like, all right, what are we going to do? Well, we've got this new album. We know some dudes that will do it. Let's go to Europe for five weeks. Let's go hit the States for five weeks. And so you're wrestling with all that because you want to make it mean something and right. hopefully at some point maybe that's the jumping off point you know it's just yeah. tough man mm. like as david said a lot of bands deal with this it mm. wasn't just us but yeah. that's just, you know our story mm. yeah so the other song off this album david that you picked was hearts on fire this one stand out for you man that it was a it was talking about a a european tour that song was actually written about the first and only time we played serbia 
Um, it was a. It was. Did a you see it spray paint on the ground or something? It was on a. It was on a. It was on a wall somewhere. Like a stencil. Yeah. Like a so we were. It, it was kind of a wild story. So we're we're heading into Serbia. Um, and right when we cross into the border, we get pulled over by a police officer. Mm. Like, we get shook down. Like this whole scene develops. Um, I'm sitting there in the front. Our dri- our good friend Martin and driver is, is getting talked to by this police officer. I look in the side mirror. I see the officer talking to him. I take out my camera because it looks cool. I take a picture. The guy sees a flash. He oh, freaks no. out. And apparently that's illegal. So he screamed. Well, he, was ro- he was robbing us. The <laughs> was. And then he didn't turn the flash off on the disposable yeah. camera because there was no cell phone. <laughs> Yeah. And so and so he takes my camera. I think I, you know I'm. I'm he gets just, us all I, out of the van. Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to jail. Yeah. You know, and Serbia, welcome. But anyway, so that's how we start. But anyway, we had a we had a cool trip and and uh, it was kind of interesting. So right when we get outside of uh, Belgrade, the promoter and Bang a and couple shit. of his friends come and meet us. They we, they meet us to take us into the into the town, right to the club, and we're sitting there driving. And I'm noticing like in downtown Belgrade, I'm like, what's up with like, what's going on with these buildings up there? You know, they're all kind of like bombed out and literally, and you know, they look like they've been on fire. I had no idea. Right. And the guy just looks over and he just says the art of politicians. I'm mm-hmm. like, huh? You know, and, and that's, so if you know the song, that's where that that's in there. So I, I took that from what he said and I asked him what it is. And he's like, yeah, this is, this is what happened to our city back in. And again, I'm not a international policy expert, you know, international relations. I don't claim to be, but in that moment to hear a guy tell me that's what happened to our city. And, you know, your country had something to do with the bombing of my city. It just, wow. it, struck, it struck me hard. Yeah. And we had a beautiful time in that town. We met all kinds of great people. Yeah. Um, had a really nice time meeting all these, 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 and, and, but you could feel this tension, you know, you could feel the stress, you know, in this, in the city, in the town. And, and that's where the lyrics of that song, that song came from just kind of that, you know, the, the things that we do have consequences, right. And we're responsible for the things we do. We have to own up to the consequences. And it was, it was just, that is our, that was kind of the message of that. And in this case, you know, the, the vehicle was what some politicians did. Right. And so, so it was just kind of a way to express that. And so, I mean, that song's always kind of meant a lot to me. I think musically it was a cool one. Um, It had the mad ball breakdown, which I always like to do. Um, But it also had kind of some street rock kind of street punk, you know, verse to it as well. I think that was the first time in all of our travels where I thought, I mean, I didn't think they were going to kill us. But I thought we might end up in jail. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, because you know this was a time where like we didn't have cell phones. Like our driver had a cell phone. Uh, you know, like a I don't know, just a little old school brick phone. Yeah, like yeah. So we're getting shook down. We're getting robbed. He sends us back to the border. We've got to change out money to go back and pay him. And we're hoping by this time that after we pay him, he's going to let us go to the show. And it was the first time where I was like, you know what, man, we are out here completely by ourselves. We may have talked to our spoken to our wives two or three days ago at a pay phone with a calling card. You yeah. know, nobody really knows where we are. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Drive, 
Czech Republic. So he grew up in, you know, communist Czechoslovakia. So he knows the system. He knew we were getting shook down. He's like, guys, just pay it. We get to the show. We move on. We don't think about it anymore. And we're just like, man, we're getting robbed by the cops. (laughs) They could do whatever they wanted to us. Yeah. And we get to the show and these kids are at the show and it is just a banger of a show. Yeah, they were so stoked. The show made us food. They made us gifts. They were crying. And at that time, I don't think a lot of bands were going that deep into Eastern Europe. Um, and they hadn't been playing Belgrade. Belgrade, I already said. Um, so it, all that leading up to the show and then for that song out of it was just pretty awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, that's so cool to hear, you know, how an experience like that can can influence a song that, you know, now lasts for forever, right? And and uh, yeah, so I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's. It's. St- that song still means a lot to me. It's. Um, and and the, like Chris said, the title of the record came from that experience. We were walking around, and someone had had stenciled "Free at Last" on the building. I have no idea where that came from, but yeah. I, one of us took a picture, and then that's you know where the title came from as well. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. So this is my boy Owen right here. We're hey, totally. What's up, Owen? Uh, he wants to know if you can ask him a question so he can be part of the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and he's, what's, a, what? he's a ninth grader in high school. So here's your chance, Junior. <laughs> what's it like to have your dad in one of the coolest hardcore bands? Oh, it's uh, it's pretty fun. I uh, get asked a lot. Or not, well, no, not really, but... Uh, <laughs> not so much. There's more of... Um, like, people will ask, and I'll say, my dad was in a band. And then it's kind of... Like, I've got a uh, teacher now who uh, apparently knew the band, and uh, <laughs> I told him about it. And so. Um, and David's wife teaches at Owen's high school. So she. Okay, all cool. And then her friends um, were of the age where they have gone to shows back then. So it's just. Okay. Fun. Yeah. Well, what's cool, Owen, is I was probably your age when I got into Stretch Armstrong. So that's really <laughs> rad. Nice. You made it to a podcast. I have. Yeah, I feel accomplished. <laughs> thank you for doing that yeah no that's awesome yeah so that that kind of brings us to the end of the songs um when you guys look back at the time in the band you know and you've talked about lots of these you know even just what you just shared about these memories but what are some of the things that you know will kind of take away or will have lasting value and memory you know kind of once you know things have faded away and oh man it's it's absolutely affected my life in in heaps of ways and you know, from the DIY do-it-yourself ethic to the kind of the PMA positive mental attitude to just sticking with something to go all out, to do your best, to try hard, to be open. I mean, I picked up all that. I tell people all the time, like everything my dad wanted to teach me, I did learn, but I learned it through hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Stick, that's it, not stick it to your hard. dad. No, no, he's a rad dude. He's He's super great, but it's like, yeah, I couldn't hear it from him. But literally, everything I would want my son to learn, and everything I know he wanted me to learn, I learned it in hardcore, right? Like, stick with your friends, be a good friend, be a good person, stand up for people, stand up for yourself, try your hardest, be positive, be honest. Like, and I mean, all the ethical stuff. I mean, we were exposed to things at hardcore shows. I mean, from people with zines out on tables, Oh yeah, South Carolina wasn't getting that stuff, mm-hmm. man. Like it, 
Well, I mean, you know, we, exploded. we were in Europe in the late 90s. So, you know, what was going on in Europe and um, just seeing other places like, uh, you know, maybe those people aren't so bad, right? <laughs> maybe that group isn't so bad. Like right. we've heard they are or, wow, they're really different. They're really strange. Well, so are we to them. Um, you know, there's something very humbling about rolling up, uh, going into a, you know, loading your gear into a venue, um, playing a show, packing it all up, driving 12 hours, getting up, doing it all over again. Like the, the, like David was saying, there's just so much you learn from being around your friends, um, looking out for one another, um, hanging out with kids that don't speak your language or, you know, across the ocean who have a lot of preconceived notions about you, you about them. Um, and I think it teaches you a lot about acceptance, right? Yeah. Endurance. It's I, just I such know. a rad experience. Yeah. I mean, it really, like I tell people all the time, it's like what we and other bands like us experience, you literally couldn't you don't no one has enough money to experience it good and bad yeah, but i mean yeah. dude there's times i remember to keep it short i mean to have breakfast looking out of a window in germany at the castle where you know martin luther, martin luther yeah. translated the bible you're just like man <laughs> i'm just a dirty hardcore kid <laughs> eating some bread and bread that's and killer or yeah. waking up you know like we pulled over, we slept in the meadow and like, now you look down and there's this beautiful lake in Italy. And it's just like, well, yeah. this is amazing. There's like, yeah. the out those things. It's, it's just like, you couldn't pay to get those experiences and, yeah. and we got them and had a blast doing it hard times for sure. But definitely some great moments. Yeah. 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 Finally, you guys are scheduled to play this year's furnace fest. How did this come about? And what were some of the logistics that went into deciding if this was doable for you guys? Um, well, uh, Chad and Ryan, I mean, they had started putting it together, I guess, you know, last year or whatever they asked, they had asked us a couple times, um, you know, speaking for myself, I wasn't all that into it. I don't, I don't think David was initially, um, great dudes. We played that thing all the three years that they did it. I think we headlined it one year when the engage album was coming out, ironically enough. Um, and they, they kept asking us to do it. They asked a lot of bands to do it, not just us. Um, and Jeremy, Scott, and David, I think, were really interested in doing it, wanted to do it. Um, and then I felt kind of bad for like being <laughs> that didn't want to. Do, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I just you know, why why am I keeping these dudes from doing something they want to do? It's not that I don't. I mean, I have a lot of uh, love for that thing. The amount of work that goes into a festival is just yeah. mental. Um, I felt like I was being kind of a dick for not getting on board. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the long and the short of it, right? Yeah. And the, the pandemic happened and it all got pushed and it got pushed right. again. And they just announced the lineup. And I will say, man, that lineup um, – is really great. Yeah. Like headliners, the undercard, um, by today's standards, that's a really, really good festival. Yeah. They've done a really good job. Uh, it's, it's, Take um, care. priced right. It's not over the top. 
They're not hitting you with all these crazy fees. They could be. Um, I think they've done a really good job. Super happy to be involved. Yeah. How do you guys plan on uh, picking the set list for that night or that day? We'll just do whatever John tells us to do. Yeah. John, John always writes the, it out. The drummer oh, okay. always, he always does it. Yeah, so we just follow yeah. suit. He's what good if, with putting those things together. What if he just picks all songs from Engage? We'll have to <laughs> so be it. <laughs> this is the one Our last chance team. to redeem those songs, guys. Come on. <laughs> nice, baby. Yeah. I'm sure I remember at least two of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. This has been a dream come true and so much fun. Yeah, thank you for doing yeah, this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for caring. It's Yeah, well, of course. And I know lots of other people will, so I, I appreciate you guys doing it. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Bye, Owen. Bye, <laughs> Owen.